episode 185, Healthcare Spending Waste Explained, Ripped Off. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trostclair, and today, with Dr. Gilbert Simon's Perspective. Join 2017 and 18 Podcast Awards-nominated host and best-selling author on Amazon as we get a behind-the-curtain look at all types of doctor and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Hey, welcome back. I hope you're having a great summer. I really enjoyed this interview. Before we jump in, if you go to a doctorsperspective.net slash all links, you'll find everything you need for like past podcast episode series on things like podiatry, financial, marketing. You get all the books. I really appreciate all the support from purchasing the books on Amazon, buying a t-shirt, buying a cup of coffee for the host. Uh, It just really helps. um, Just kind of offset some of the costs and just makes me feel appreciated. Of course, you can always write a review. Five star, please. Other than that, kids almost four. Bilingual. Really communicates uh, clearly in both languages. Doing all the things a four-year-old would do. Uh, So happy about that. Happy dad. Got a little woodworking project. If you ever see when I finish with that, it'll be the new background. And so whenever you have some behind-the-scenes photos of the podcast on Instagram and other social media, you'll be able to check it out that way. It should be pretty cool. It's China-inspired. It's a pattern from wood. And anyway, I think it's going to be cool. Please let me know what you think when it's finally posted, probably at the end of August. But today's episode, we're going to discuss how America is not the best in healthcare and what we can do about it from what does universal healthcare even mean, myths, ways that the insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies are, I don't want to call them the bad guys, but they're definitely part of the problem. And so we need some lawmakers and some different things to make changes that actually could matter and change the course so that we all can benefit from better health. Dr. Gilbert. Simon wrote the book Ripped Off. So if you like what we're talking about, definitely go pick up the book and it goes in much more deep dive. The show notes and the transcript can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash 185. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from Louisiana in Sacramento, California, today on the show, we have a doctor who's been doing this thing for 50 years as primary care. Uh, in the 80s, probably in the 90s, he was serving 40,000 low-income patients, and over all that time, he decided to write a book, and it's called Ripped Off. It's about being over-tested, over-treated, and overcharged. Pretty much kind of makes the case that uh, maybe we should maybe go universal health care, how that could work out, and just all the blah, money that has been spent in a poor way. So I'm excited to dive in. Please welcome Dr. Gilbert Simon. Okay, thank you, Justin. So the career spans uh, half a century. It really does. <laughs> yes, uh, 53 years, actually. Once you, once you pass 50, you stop counting. But it was 50, 53 years. And uh, there were years where I saw the, the medical profession undergo tremendous change, not to the better. Hmm. I get into these interviews. And I'm like, boy, there's so many ways that we can go. And I think maybe the best way to start off is uh, what are some of the common myths with universal health care? Because I can be honest, I, I lived in Germany for two years. And was other than the forty uh, percent taxes I was paying, I mean that hurt. <laughs> but it was kind of nice to be able to just go to the hospital and pay ten bucks to spend the night and ten bucks for the ambulance ride and not have to uh, necessarily worry about going bankrupt. And my kid was sick, maybe we just take her. We didn't have to worry about it. Yes. Well, the the biggest myth is the idea, the mistaken idea that universal health care is socialized medicine. It's not. Universal health care only means one thing. Everyone has health care. It's universal, like universal K through 12, universal uh, police service, universal fire department service. Everybody gets it. 
That's what universal means. It does not mean socialized medicine. And uh, we're, we're the only industrial wealthy country in the world that does not provide universal health care. So, so we're, that's the other, other myth is that we're outstanding. Our, our health care is, is number one. <laughs> that's a big, big myth. Uh, we're not number one. We're far from number one. When we're compared with the with ten other peer countries that are closely related to us industrially and economically, financially, uh, we're compared with those ten and, and ranked uh, according to healthcare outcomes, availability, cost, variety of things. We come out eleventh, and we've done this. We've been eleventh for the, ever since we, ever since we began this comparison. Our life expectancy is uh, somewhere between Estonia and uh, and Costa Rica. We're Nowhere near number one, which is the other big myth that we're number one. Uh, we're very far from number one. The next big myth is that healthcare is is free. Someone else is paying for it. And the and the what the healthcare consumer is missing is the fact that it's being paid for by their own taxes, out of their own wages. They're paying for it. It comes down to that. Is there some way to cap the profit for insurance companies? I just look at the bonuses that these CEOs make and, and it's so for profit. It's like, couldn't we just make a law like, look, we're not saying you can't make a profit. We're just saying maybe maybe 20% is enough, not 600%. Well, other countries also have set a cap. How much a CEO can earn as compared to the lowest earner in the, in the company. Hmm. Japan has done this for years. We don't do that. We let the CEO earn as much as he can, and it's often a thousand times more lowest earner in his company. We can't set the amount, but we can set the ratio if we had a mind to it. Mm-hmm. The biggest profits are not insurance companies. The biggest profits are in big pharma. Yeah, those guys. That's where they're that's where they're raking it in. In one year, Pfizer made had a forty percent profit. Well, didn't you write in your book? The law, the way it was passed, was Medicare is not allowed to negotiate that, but Medicaid is. It, yes. Come on. This is ridiculous. Well, when George W. Bush got the uh, the Medicare uh, Improvement Act, which added Part D, the drug the drug plan, uh, this was part of the negotiation. But that the big farmer would allow him to do this, provided that government would not interfere with their profit making. So the VA hospital can do it. Medicaid can do it. Everyone in the world can do it, except America. Wow. I know we had some te- some questions that we would like to talk about, like overtreating and where's all this stem from. But really, I only have you for so much time. So I think I'd like to get these questions covered first, and then we can always double back. Or they could like just buy your book because I've read probably 70% of it, and it was totally worth it. <laughs> go ahead. All right. I'm a patient. I go to the in-network hospital with my in-network benefits. And then I walk out and I've got out of network charges of thousands upon thousands of dollars because it seems like the anesthesiologist that they called in that day is not a part of the network. If you're in network, shouldn't the whole hospital just be in network? Like what kind of games are they playing and how is that allowed? Here's what happens. The uh, anesthesiologists are very important people because without them, you can't do surgery. Surgery is the biggest moneymaker in every, any hospital. So you, ha- you have to allow certain, certain leeway to the anesthesiologist. And what they do is they refuse to contract with the, with the various plans. They want to stay independent so they can charge whatever they feel like charging. And that's why they're the usual ones who come up with a surprise bill. As the doctor, I'm excited, but as the patient, I'm not. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> but, 
even but even emergency room doctors also can, can stay out of network, and you can find yourself uh, in trouble. You go to the wrong laboratory. That's the most ludicrous one. I'm going in there for a heart attack, thinking I'm going to the right hospital, and then you turn out, you're like, well, then I could have just went anywheres. Often you're not going to the hospital. Often you're taken to the hospital. Often they find you lying face down on the sidewalk, and they take you to the hospital. It better be the right hospital. Sometimes I want a tattoo that just says where I'm at and then scratch it out and then get the next one and the next one throughout your life. And you just have like a whole bunch of <laughs> insurance policies on your arm. Yes. Uh, yeah, it does happen. I mean, people have, have been taken by a well-meaning neighbor to the hospital with a heart attack only to discover that it was the wrong hospital. Well, that's another, another reason why I, wanted, I, hope we, I hope we end up with, with Medicare for all. But in Medicare for all, every hospital is in network. Mm-hmm. And every doctor is a network. There are no networks. We're all in this together. I've seen it work in Germany. Like, yes, do you have to wait a little bit longer sometimes? Sure. But they had different companies that you can purchase through. It's just you had to have it. Whether you had a job, then it would switch to that. If you, if you weren't working, then they had a different type of plan. But you were always kind of paying into it, and it was a mandatory thing in life. Like, there was no option to not be. I don't know if you want to spend a minute on that, like the different types of ways you can make everyone covered. There's the German way, which, which is that uh, everybody, everybody has coverage. <clears throat> if you're not working or if you're working in, for low wages, the government provides health care for you. But if you're working, you can purchase your own health insurance through, through a whole bunch of private insurance companies like we have. And it's only 9 or 10% of your salary, maybe even 6 It does, and it's, it's a big chunk, but it's, it's, it's not as big as American health care. American healthcare costs roughly twenty thousand dollars per family per year. It's a third of the average income's earning, uh, earnings for the year. Plus the deductible you have to meet. Well, yeah, it helps you get your deductible. <laughs> There's no way, no question. But also, no, no taxes to pay. Got nothing left. But our, our healthcare is now costing us eighteen percent of our gross domestic product. Look, it's double the next com- next nearest country. Hmm. Why does ours cost so much? And why are we getting so little for it? What do you think about price transparency in these hospitals? Like, should we have to worry why the gallbladder doesn't just cost 400 bucks in your entire city? You're in New Orleans. It should just cost $400 everywhere you go. Well, see, see there, there are now laws that hospitals have to post their prices. The hospitals push back, saying, we really can't tell what our prices are going to be. You're going for a gallbladder, and while the surgeon's in there, he discovers that it really wasn't a simple gallbladder. There was cancer of the gallbladder, and that, that was the problem. And it becomes a much bigger operation. So they push back on this. So price transparency uh, would be very, very helpful. Uh, it, w- it would help make us a free open market, which it's not. It's a, it's a broken market. Well, to me, at least I would feel good to know, okay, it's going to cost at least 10000 for my shoulder repair. At least. That's the minimum I can walk out in. But if there's more problems, you can book it. This cost could cost all up to fifty. Oh my, fifty thousand? We've seen it. Okay. Yes. Well, at least ten up to fifty. Somewhere's in the middle. Well, could be a couple hundred thousand dollars. Right. Okay. And the last one I had that I would definitely wanted to cover, especially where I'm at, there's almost no private doctors anymore. All of them have either been bought out or something from and they're all part of the hospital system. Are the payouts so big? Do the doctors just not want the headaches anymore? What's going on, and is it affecting us in a poor way as, as consumers? So overall, 70% of all doctors are hospital employees. They've, they've given up the idea of, private, of their own independent, autonomous private practice, and they've become part of a hospital system. 
So, and why do they do it? Mostly because they're just fed up with with all the headaches that are now involved in conducting the practice of medicine. Hmm. The, the amount of red tape, the, the amount of effort in getting your bill paid. 53 years ago, when I, when I first started this, there was no problem getting your bill paid. You just said, pay the bill. And the, the person walked out and paid their bill. Now you have to have a biller. And there's really one biller per doctor. And then and the bill gets denied. The insurance company doesn't want to pay it. So nope, not paying it. And then you have to say, well, why not? <laughs> well, because uh, the, 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 the patient's birth date was, was written backwards. Okay, so we'll, back, we'll do it right this time. So it goes back and forth. You appeal, you reappeal, and you deny the appeal. And after a number of, of the back and forth, the bill gets paid. It takes a lot of time to get a bill paid. Mm-hmm. And it's a headache. And after a while, it wears you down. Somebody was getting paid to be on the phone for five hours to get all this situated as well, when they could have been doing something way more productive. Yes. Well, the average doctor spends six hours a week with paperwork. Would you say that EHRs, because a lot of them don't even communicate with each other, like Cerner and MedSoft and all that, they don't, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I've heard they, they don't communicate. So even you go to a different one and then you don't even have all the same records. So now you're still having to do the over-testing reduplicate the test because they can't trust you and they can't trust the paper you brought in because that was six months ago or uh, it wasn't done by us, so we don't trust it. It's like, come on. They don't talk to each other. You're right. If, if you're lucky, you're, you're, your practice is part of, part of a community of doctors who share the same se- that system as the as the major hospital that you use does. Mm-hmm. So they, they can communicate with each other, but not, with, not outside that system. Yeah. So it creates a series of silos, no, nobody talking to anybody else. And I guess there's some pushback for centralized health care. I'm sure there's a bunch of people like, there's no way I want all of everybody's information in one system. Like, that's probably a scary situation as well. That one system has all of our social security numbers, has, has, has a, lot of, a lot of personal information. So, oh, yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it, it does simplify. Yeah. You know, when Bernie Sanders was running for president a couple of years ago, and one of his talking points was that uh, if we go to universal health care, we will save $380 billion right off the bat. That's, and that, it, got, it got that number from looking at the cost to administer our health care system. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a staggering cost. We have an army of health care workers. Right now, our percentage of, of Americans working in the health care industry is now 12%. One person in eight works in health care. That one person is not taking care of you. He's pushing paper. I mean, I know people that are like, I need to go get my MBA so that way I can be a hospital administrator one day and uh, make more money and not have to treat patients all the time. <laughs> like, yes. what? <laughs> that wasn't Hosp- the goal? Yes. Hospital administrators make much more than, the, than the brain surgeons. So. Yeah. Oh. Do you think that the, – I, mean, I guess the government could do pretty much anything with the insurance companies if they uh, would just stand up to them. But – all the commercials out there for this drug and that drug and the amount of money they spend and the amount of money they make, couldn't they just say, hey, you have to spend an X amount of money or percentage on public awareness of like the opioid crisis or I'm a, be, I'm a chiropractor, so non-pharmacological treatment for back pain, being that back pain is like the number one, one of the number one issues that people around the entire world suffer from and it costs billions of dollars and miss work and everything else per year and is one of the reasons why we have an opioid crisis to begin with. Like, couldn't we just make them put those kind of commercials on, like, just with a certain percentage of their profit or some sort? Be the, the public good? Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> no, not just ED and stuff? No, they're interested in the private good. And uh, 
they're not they're not really into the public good mm-hmm. unless they have to be. They, they can That's be what I mean. They're being forced to. Well, Purdue Fredericks was forced to when they, when they created this huge opioid crisis. Part part of their penalty was providing drug overdose and, and, and opiate addiction prevention strategies. Hmm. But that's part of their punishment. Did it work? No, <laughs> no. But, but it came at the back end. It didn't come as prevention. It really came afterwards. I mean, didn't you write in the book that there are certain pharmaceutical companies that have spent their penalties were an astronomical amount of money? And it's like they knew it going in. They're like, ah, we can recoup this. Don't worry. Just just push it through. We'll get sued. But it's OK. The profits that we're going to be there. Everyone has has a slush fund set aside for, for when they get caught. Not if, Not just, but when. Yes, when. Uh, every every one of them. And, and they pay their, their fines out of that fund. Jeez. So what's your take home message? We're going to try to. Is there anything that we can do? Is this a lost hope, or is this more of like a open your eyes? Yes, open your eyes. Become become aware of just how bad things are. Demand change. We, we and we can't have change unless we, unless we have enough people who feel the urgency need to get this get this whole system revamped. Not band-aid surgery, but but the, but the whole thing needs to be redone. Start from scratch. So what does this mean? Do we need a Run for office? Do we have to back the candidates that you know ask these questions, find out what their answers, and back those types of candidates? Become lobbyists somehow? Or like, what do no, we do? No, no, no. Ask the questions. The uh, when it, when you, almost invariably a candidate says, "I'm going to lower healthcare costs." That's part. That's all. So they also going to lower healthcare costs, lower taxes, lower healthcare costs, lower healthcare costs. Ask them how. Yeah. What's what's their plan? And you know, as it turns out, the if they're a candidate for office. They're not getting drug money. The drug money is going to the to those who are already incumbent. They're sitting in their seat, and and they're the ones who, who are beholden to the drug companies, not not the not the new candidates. So we have to get at those people and vote them out. Mm. Do you think more doctors should run for office? Would that be helpful? Many doctors are running for office now. Doctors are they're more than before than ever before. Doctors are aware of of how bad things are, and and doctors are now actually favoring Medicare for all. So. Any of anybody who's inside the system knows how bad it is. No, keeps we keep referring to the system as being the system is broken. Ask anybody, they say the system is broken. <clears throat> well, where is it broken, and and who's benefiting from the breaks, and how can we stop this? Would you say that? Would you have a plan like if you were to go? Let's take this from Canada, this from Germany, this maybe from some Asian country, and then blend them together. Like, have you have you thought about like this would make quote a better plan? Yes, we we could look across the ocean. The uh, Europe has every possible combination of private and public, but what but all of them have is universal. Everybody and they get good care, so they're getting better care and insuring more people than we are. So I don't really I don't really care which. Which take the Swiss model, the German model, the French model. The, you pick a pick a model. It's better than ours, <laughs> and it costs less than ours. So even if we're not blending it, just just pick one that's in the top ten, throw, top throw five. A at, throw a dart at Europe. <laughs> Wherever it lands, we'll take that plan. It's still better than America's overall plan. Oh it's man, it's got to be better. It can't be worse. It's staggering the amount of money that we spend that could be spent on other things that we. Uh, the roads are bad, this is bad, this and that, and you're like, we don't have any money, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, if you could drop it from 18% down to, what's a good number? Eight, 10%. 10%. Yeah. Of GDP. 
that's kind of an average for the rest of the world. 10%, that would free up a lot of money. We could do a lot of road repaving and pay for a lot of education. Now, I'm all for R&D with these pharmaceuticals. If they're not a financial gain, but it does seem sometimes that America takes takes the profit end of it, and then some of the other countries, they get the more reasonable prices. I guess if America were to revamp our system, some of that would have to be spread out over more of the markets to, to recoup some of that they would lose, you think, or what? Well, who would, who would lose? The pharmacies would lose? Yeah. Hey, well, Pfizer. If, if they're not making the record-breaking profits, maybe they're like, ah, you know, maybe it's not worth re- investing in um, new drugs now. That's they what they say, right? They don't invest in new drugs. They, they, they invest in sales and marketing. That's what they invest in. The, uh, the small company, uh, the small laboratory in, in uh, Europe, in Holland or England, where all the, all the, all the major research is being done, the small laboratory does the research and development. Mm. Then they get the drug out and they get it past phase one, which is an early phase, and it, and it passes phase one. That gets the big pharma uh, drooling. Mm. Here's one we could, buy, we could buy and make huge profits on. So they then go to that company and buy it. Oh. And they own that company. And then, then they, then they take it to phase two and, and phase three and then, then marketed and, and, and it's on TV every, every ten or a few minutes. And, uh, that's how it works. That's, no, that's, that's about the fifth myth that, that re- the big farmer needs the profit so they can reinvest it in, in research and, and uh, development. The big, the big money that they make is, is reinvested in buying back their shares and paying their high, high paid executives. My goodness. Everybody, listen, I hope this has got you fired up and uh, a little annoyed and angry because this That's is my the goal. Yeah. Pick up his book. It's called Ripped Off. It's Dr. Gilbert Simon. You can probably get it on Amazon and everywhere you get books. Read through it. You'll hear some of the things that we talked about. It goes in a lot more detail. It's an easy read. It's um, get out there and, and try to make the right choices when we're when we're hiring people and we're electing politicians and everything else. And I just I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show and, and enlightening us and, and diving a little bit deep on the things that I'm concerned about and as well as the highlights. Uh, thank you, Justin. I appreciate giving me the pedestal. Do you have any web page or anything you need to promote? No. What's the book to be bought, read, rated, reviewed, and talked about? Another great interview has ended. While you're on your phone, click that review button. Write up a nice review for me. Five stars if you could. As everyone says in the industry, it'll help other people to find us when we have enough rankings. Not to mention, I'll mention you and your review on an upcoming episode. If you're looking for one sheets, if you're looking for all the books that people have recommended, you can just go to a doctorsperspective.net slash guide. And that's going to give you everything you need to know. The top episodes of 2017 and 2018, the podiatry series, dentist, acupuncture series, holiday 2017, financial series, how to write a review, how to support the show, like buying a cup of coffee, getting swag, like t-shirts, the Today's Choices Tomorrow's Health book. That's the blueprints for better health exercise, picking food correctly, and financial. And then, of course, bundle packs, which can get you the no-needle acupuncture book for 40 common conditions, including the electric acupuncture pin, at a great deal. Page has some of the products that I like. It's uh, affiliate style, so if you buy something from them, I get a piece of that. 
just like on the show notes pages. If you buy a book from clicking that link, I get a small piece of that as well. So I really appreciate that. Things like Screencast-O-Matic, PureVPN, Missing Letter, JLab Speakers, ProLone, Edge, or Hawk Grips. The trilingual coloring book is now five languages, English, Spanish, Chinese, German, and French. So pick one up for your own kids, your nieces and nephews, and also for your office so these kids have something to do. Again, that all-encompassing one link is adoptersperspective.net slash guide, G-U-I-D-E. Once again, if you do need any coaching on how to improve some of your blood work, drop weight, and the Prolone Diet, Fast Mimicking Diet, five-day plan, let me know, as well as if you just need some coaching, whether it's health, whether it's marketing, whether you need some practice growth, etc. Reach out, Facebook, Justin Trosclair, MCC. Of course, at a doctorsperspective.net on the top right, you got all the social media icons that you can imagine. Click your favorite and reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend, pass it along. You can go to .net slash listen. It's just that easy. It'll open up right in your app. And don't forget, I appreciate you. Listen, critically think, and integrate. See you on the mini-sodes. Hope you're enjoying those. I'm definitely having fun summarizing these podcasts in less than 10 minutes for you. You get the nuggets without having to waste your time. Have a great week.